0: Welcome to the Ready Yeti Podcast, where we help you discover innovative startups in the outdoor sport industry. Join us as we tell the story of brands who are paving the way for the future of outdoor sports.
1: And here's your host, Josh Salvo. Hey, Ready Yeti Podcast listeners. Do you love skiing, snowboarding, climbing, hiking, camping, surfing, kayaking, or mountain biking? Did you know that there are thousands of new outdoor sports startups launching each year with incredible stories and products that are revolutionizing their sports? At Ready Yeti, we are a community of outdoor sport enthusiasts that love discovering new brands and supporting the ones that make innovative, quality products and that have a drive to give back. At ReadyYeti.com, we give away products every two weeks from your soon-to-be favorite outdoor sports startups. Check out com and become a part of our daily growing outdoor sports community and be among the first to discover tomorrow's outdoor sport brands. What's going on, ReadyYeti podcast listeners? I'm Josh Salva, your host, and today I'm chatting with Dale Lewis, the founder of Fortress Clothing. A lot of you guys probably don't know about them, but this is probably one of, the, one of my favorite episodes. I know I've said that a few times, but... Uh, These guys make some pretty cool um, outerwear. They are originally working in the industrial worker industry, so helping men and women who work in crazy cold temperatures up to negative 50 degrees. And they recently just got off a Kickstarter where they raised over $400,000 for their product called the Fortress Hybrid Hoodie, which you can wear in negative 5-degree weather all the way up to 70 degrees. We found them a couple months ago, and we had to bring them on. So with that, I want to thank Dale for taking the time to uh, chat with me. Great to be with you, Josh. Awesome. So for the listener who doesn't know about um, you guys, Fortress Clothing, could you sort of give them a quick synopsis of what you guys do and what you offer?
0: Sure. Um It's as simple as saying we actually keep people warm. As we started doing business in the industrial niche, it was funny because we would just say, hey, we're going to keep you warm, and and it was too good to be true. And uh, that is our claim to fame. That's our value proposition. That's what we do. We keep people warm. It's a single layer. And the most amazing aspect is um, you can actually be sopping wet wearing our clothing and still be warm. So it, it defies what we would defer, what we call common logic, but it actually obeys the laws of science and that's how we accomplish it.
1: That's really cool. So 4 years ago when you guys started, you specifically focused on men and women who are out in extreme cold climates, correct? How did you how did you get into this business? What what made you decide to start this?
0: So, um, great story. My son was working uh, in the oil fields of North Dakota and, uh, he would work for 15 minutes and then he would literally have to go sit in the cab of his semi and warm up for 15 minutes. And as a business owner, when he was describing this to me, I'm like, man, if you could resolve that problem, if you could find a solution that eliminated your downtime, you'd have a a great business. And, um, I I had a neighbor who, uh, had designed a designed a line of winter survival clothing, but he had never commercialized it. Uh, just not a lot of business acumen, and we kind of did a deal, and and I jumped in with both feet and uh, created a, a line of, of uh, winter workwear clothing uh, that uses the principles of uh, survival clothing. And and it, it, what's amazing to it, you 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 mentioned Josh, uh, extreme cold. It's actually comfortable up to. So it's got about a hundred degree range of comfort with our, um, what we call our regular line or our industrial line.
1: That's really interesting. So what did you do before you started Fortress? What what was that? What's the journey that got you here? (laughs) Oh, it's a fun journey. So, uh, you know, I, I have a degree out of
0: the University of Utah. Uh, in marketing and went into wholesale food distribution. So I was working for companies like Nabisco Candy and also Frito-Lay and American Cyanamid. And I I kind of got to a point where I I think I learned more about how not to run a business working for those companies. Not that they're bad businesses, but just there's things in corporate America that – that uh, tend to th- they they tend to trip themselves up, and I'd, I always wanted to be an entrepreneur. I, I started a, a business. Uh, we made a, a quality of life move. We're at, we're based out of Utah in Mount Pleasant, Utah, and uh, at the time we were living in Salt Lake City. I was originally from Salt Lake, and we made a quality of life move to the country. Bought a little ten acre farm. My wife and I and our kids and and uh, started a business, and it, it failed miserably. And the second one, you know, it, it wasn't any better, and and I wasn't very smart back then. I, I didn't know the term fail fast, so, you know, the bloodletting went on, and people say, well, the third one's a charm, and in my case, it wasn't. The third one failed, and but the fourth one was a telecommunications uh, gig that we, uh, we, over nine years, we built it to about a $35 million company, and uh, I did an exit strategy and sold and retired at 45, and... And then just have, since then started a few different businesses and was kind of bored with, uh, you know, I, I have some great people that work for me on those other businesses. And and uh, when this came along with my son, I thought, this could be huge. And uh, it's turning out to to definitely uh, be exactly that. We're not huge yet, but, w- but we think we're on our way.
1: That's really interesting. And so this this road has sort of led you to the hybrid hoodies. So... Can you – to the person who didn't see the Kickstarter, what, what exactly is the hoodie and how is it sort of state-of-the-art?
0: Okay. Um, thanks. Um, so our regular line – is very functional. I mean, you you consider that we can keep somebody comfortable, and we're not saying, like you're comfortable, like your teeth are chattering, and you're not going to die, <laughs> minus thirty or minus twenty or minus fifteen or minus forty. We're saying you're comfortable. Like we have testimonials from uh, mining companies in uh, Lapland, uh, Lapland, Finland, and they're just they're just like your your clothing is so awesome. It's it's dangerous though because if you forget to wear it you will die because you get so comfortable wearing this clothing in extreme conditions that you would die in and and so be careful warn your customers to always wear it and we're like it's a great testimonial but so we we have this great function but very little fashion and and as we've sold to our customers you know people would it, the industrial line is built to be a mid-layer garment so you literally could, the the modularity of it is outstanding you can wear our industrial line uh, in all recreational activities, because all you're going to do is throw an outer shell over it. Um, but that's an education process that we've found is difficult. Um, a lot of people just don't get it. Uh, they don't get the fact that as a mid-layer garment, you could throw you know, your favorite university sweatshirt over it and go to a football game, and and then you could wear that same base layer or mid-layer garment and, and go out work in it in extreme cold. And then you could also go mountain biking, or you could use it for your, your mid-layer garment, for skiing or snowmobiling instead people have been kind of educated into the they have one coat for snowmobiling a different outer shell for skiing and so so we decided well we're just going to go ahead and and go with the flow quit trying to educate people and um i just have a favorite hoodie and, and it literally is kind of a weird way to tell the story but uh i probably had this hoodie for 22 years it's beat up, it's trash, but it's just so comfortable. And I was like, what if you could take our technology that is kick butt and merge it, or just cross breed it with this the comfort of this hoodie? And um, so that's the task we burdened ourselves with, and and that's kind of how we came up with the hybrid hoodie. It, it is the the warmth and and comfort, or the warmth of a coat with the comfort of a hoodie, and. And uh, we had to take our insulation and, and and cut it in half. The insulation is our secret sauce. It's what makes us different. Um, and it's just been a uh, it's just kind of been a trip figuring out how to go from functional high utility to good looking and uh, without giving away too much of the uh, the functionality. It has been kind of a journey for us, Josh. Actually, to, to share this we've never we never used to have to say the words well you might have to wear something with this to keep warm right and it's been kind of hard to learn how to say cuz we're just so used to saying boom you're going to be comfortable and warm doesn't matter where you're at it our 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 industrial line is windproof it it retains body heat and it evacu- evacuates moisture so we've taken those principles but we've we've uh, made it more stylish and uh, less rigid and so now we still do those three things. We just don't retain the heat down to the minus 30 and minus 40 level. So,
1: that's really interesting. So, to someone who doesn't know much about the technology that you guys work into your software, what, why is it so much warmer? Why does it work so much better than anything that's out there?
0: Um, it goes back to those three things. It, we, we take the insulation which retains body heat but because of its architectural structure it's um, it's an engineered polymer that is open cell so, so it's hydrophobic, it doesn't grab onto moisture, instead it, it's afraid of water and it, it literally pushes, it doesn't push but it allows moisture to flow through it. What's interesting is the law of thermodynamics dictates that in real life conditions when you're outside. You are the source of heat, and by law, physics, moisture moves away from heat. So if you're wearing something that allows for moisture vapor to water to vaporize, that's the the technical term is moisture vapor transfer. Um, you're going to be successful. I always find it comical when when clothing manufacturers say, "And our our clothes, they push the moisture away," and it's like, or it pulls the water out, and you're like. No it doesn't. The law of nature does that. You you just have something that is not hydrophilic that's grabbing onto the water. So anyway. So that's that's the the secret sauce is we've got something that has inherent to its structure, something that retains heat while allowing for moisture evacuation and then what we did is we anybody who spends time in the cold you know that if it's windy or if you're if you're moving like if you're motorcycle riding if you're downhill skiing if you've got some momentum you're gonna be cold you're sitting on a ski lift you're freezing your butt off if it's winds blowing so it's a it's a windproof technology in our industrial line it's a wind resistant in our recreational line the hybrid hoodie but it's wind resistant it retains body heat and it's uh, moisture evacuation principles allow it to just work wonders.
1: That's, that's really cool. I'm just thinking from my own experience with skiing, <laughs> like you're saying when you're skiing, you're, you're starting to sweat, you get hot yep. and then you sit on the lift and anyone who skis on the East coast knows that it's always miserably cold and windy. So if you're, you're on that lift and it's gusting, like I've been I've been out in days where like the coldest day I've ever skied was like -59 with the wind chill it was in uh, Jay Peak Vermont and it was miserable. It was miserably cold. <laughs> so I can totally understand the value behind technology like that. So I guess my my question is is why doesn't why don't any of the other brands do this or why have why hasn't anyone else figured this out, so to speak?
0: Uh, I can't tell you that. I can tell you this. When we first started, we weren't going to manufacture. We just wanted to be a component brand in other manufacturers. I won't name names, but we went and met with some of the very big, big names in both uh, workwear and recreational wear. And they were kind of like, well, uh, you guys are from nowhere and you have no background, so we're going to discount that. And then you don't have any market validation, so we'll discount that. And It was almost like, you know, come talk to us when you guys are big boys. And we're kind of like, well… That's not a very smart approach. So that's kind of one of the reasons we decided to to create the Fortress brand is it really is a fortress against the cold. And and just what you said, Josh, totally empathize with that as far as you go skiing and you're pounding the moguls and you sweat. It reminds me when we first uh, we sponsored a team that went up – and uh, was climbing in in Nepal and they were like, well, we've got a contract where our outer shell, we have to show the name that, you know, we've got a contract so we can't wear anything that doesn't have their name on it. But we want to try this because we've seen it and all of their Sherpas and everybody was like, this is nice, this is so sweet. And then they couldn't do anything about it (laughs) because we don't have the kind of of money to pay their sponsorships. Yeah,
1: yeah, no, that's so interesting. I think you bring up a great point with a lot of the big brands um yep. in the out any honestly in any industry but so sure. what was the prototyping process like with this so you guys obviously you're 4 years old before you guys started i'm sure there was like a long journey in sort of getting to the point that you're at now can you sort of walk us through
0: you bet you bet so um have you've ever heard of the the book nail it then scale it i call it the entrepreneurial's uh, entrepreneurial entrepreneurs bible um it, it's basically from 5,000 feet. You, you want to get a prototype as quickly together as you can. Take it to somebody you view as your top opportunity customer and then have them give you feedback. Don't even try to sell it to them. Just just get all nail the product. So we did that. We put together some prototypes and we took them up to, of all places, Prudhoe Bay, Alaska. I had a contact out of Provo who could get me in. And uh, there's some big companies up there and they tried them and they gave us some great feedback so the actual design of our garment has articulated elbows gussets in the armpits a double zipper for comfort in the industrial line is it's quite ri- it's not quite rigid but it's more rigid than what you're 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 used to so we we did those ergonomic designs to make it just very comfortable it's extremely lightweight i mean the the hoodie itself our hybrid hoodie total weight is like 23 ounces um I mean that's that's yeah. just super light. It, it's it's literally, and when you put it on, it has this unique feel to it. It's like you're wearing air. I actually, when we did some uh, parking lot market research, we were talking, we were looking for color feedback, and uh, we literally had four different people like, "It's like I'm wearing air. This is cool." And then, of course, they didn't want to give it back, but the, it was just fun stuff. It was fun stuff. So that prototyping process was one where we started off and really just had our blinders on to go after the industrial niche. And and then the fallout from that has been that we were very – it's taken us now into our fourth year to try a thinner insulation level. Just because we, you know, we sell to such a, a myriad of niches within the industrial niche. There's, you know, mining, logging, uh, refrigerated warehouses now those are people who work 12 14 hour days in minus 30 below zero if you can imagine that um, but then having that background and then moving into recreation we we just have had that fear of not being able to guarantee warmth but it fortunately for us it's not a linear relationship between our quarter inch or our six and a half millimeter and our 13 millimeter which is the the half inch so the quarter inch is not half as warm. It's actually not a linear relationship, and so uh, it's it's been it, it's been a fun ride to to see how effective this quarter inch has been.
1: That's really interesting. So, in watching your Kickstarter video, you guys at one section you do sort of a ice plunge. What <laughs> what what is that prove so to speak um, with the hoodie and the technology that you guys have?
0: You know, uh, and, and I, I, you asked the question, and I didn't even – that is the ultimate test. But it wasn't – we didn't do that ice plunges based on testing. We were going to buyers for in, uh, industrial companies and saying, no, this is lightweight. Um, this is warm. It's breathable, and, and it's different. And we couldn't get our point across. across and we were, like, um, beating our head against the wall and, and just literally one of those brainstorming sessions where you're, like, can I just – pissed off that nobody's taking your product and we're like we got to find a way and we thought well what if we jump through the ice and it was dead of winter and we're like so I got a buddy uh, he's a surgeon doctor Dr. Butte and I was like hey will you come up we don't want anybody dying but we think this will work and (laughs) so we went up we drilled through four feet of ice the very first time and it was like minus 11 with wind chill. And uh, this kid, he was 20, 21 years old. Taylor's his name. He was the first to jump in. And he had never seen it. Matter of fact, he'd just, he'd returned from Mexico City. He'd been there for a couple of years and he, he got back and he'd been home for two weeks. And his dad was one of our sales guys. And he was like, oh, I hate the cold. I don't want to do this. And he's the first guy to jump in. And he was just like, it's so great because the, the video just captures his, his, natural response. It was just, uh, you know, it was unrehearsed. It's, it's everything. And he's just like, oh my gosh, within 45 seconds, he's warm and he's sopping wet. So Mike jumped in and I jumped in and uh, Don jumped in. And so, we, you know, we had like five guys jump in and, you know, we've since from there, the the video you're referring to for the hybrid hoodie. So we wanted to test the, the hybrid hoodie. So we had two guys, John and uh, Mike. So Mike jumps in. He's the guy that and if you can believe this, so he jumped in in our regular stuff the first time and then got out of the water within about 45 seconds. He's comfortable. Within two minutes of being out of the water, he gets on a Polaris 800 uh, RMX and he takes off 40 miles an hour snowmobiling. He's gone for 20 minutes, comes back, and he's like, this is so awesome. He jumps in the, wa- the ice water again and gets out. No, it's not waterproof, so you're sopping wet. I mean, you're wet to the core when you get out about, you know, 70% of the water drops to the ground from gravity, but the other 30% slowly is working its way out as your body heat. And what's interesting is you literally have a millimeter or two of, of space in our insulation that 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 dry space keeps your body heat in while the other percentage of the garment is filled with water and is being pushed away. He jumped in a, a third time wearing our hybrid hoodie, gets out, and it was about a minute before he was comfortable, and it's when we say comfortable it's not like the, 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 I'm go- okay I, I think i can go it's yeah your 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 voice you know you're, you're just comfortable it's it's uh, it's an interesting paradigm and then uh, he again jumps on his sled and takes off and you know we, we spend another four or five hours on the ice and everybody had jumped in two of them in the quarter inch and the rest of us in our half inch and just it's a fun it's a fun experience it's a it's scary as crap. Though. I can tell you. Every time I jump in, it you just look at it and you go, "This is gonna hurt." Oh, yeah. it's gonna hurt. It it does. It hurts bad. But once you get out, uh, for those you know who are listening, when you see the video, I'm the guy in the in the worker coveralls, and it's legit, man. You, you get uh, every ounce of oxygen in your lungs is just sucked out, <laughs> and you can't even do anything other than scream. And you get out. And at least that's what I do. Other people can. <laughs> Get out, and they're like, oh, "It's okay." But yeah, it, it's a fun test, and, and the whole purpose beyond the test was to say, "Hey, anybody who spends time outdoors knows you bundle up for minus ten or whatever the temperature's going to be. You go out and you're aerobic, whether you're working or playing. And once you're aerobic, you start that sweat cycle. Everybody gets scared. It's a like, oh, crap. If you've spent a lot of time outdoors, you know it can be deadly. And so <clears throat> we wanted to show people. You could never sweat as much as we get wet when we jump in the ice. We are absolutely waterlogged. And then when you get out, within 45 seconds, you're comfortable. That's and you can do anything. I mean, literally, one time we drilled an ice. We we, we jumped through the ice, got out. And we thought, well, let's – let's I mean, because we were selling to workers. Well, let's go dig another hole. And, you know, so we spend another hour digging a hole, all wet from the previous hole. So –
1: that's unreal. When I was in uh, Chile last summer, I uh, <laughs> I was with, um, I'm not sure if you're familiar with Evo.com, but they're one of the large online retailers for um, outdoor gear and whatever. So I was with uh, the founder and like a few other people who were on the trip with us and um, we we're in a hot tub and there was like a pool outside of the place that we we're staying at and had like quarter inch of ice covering the pool. And Bryce goes, looks over at us. He's just like, you guys want to jump in? <laughs> and it's like it's like 20 degrees outside or whatever. And we both we do it and when you said that like it just like sucks all of the air out of you and it's like just a quick like so like, I know exactly what you're talking about but I could yeah. not imagine not immediately going inside or getting back into a hot tub after that sort of experience. That that's unreal.
0: It really is and what's funny about it is we've shown it to like search and rescue people and we're doing well selling into that niche just because it defies common law, lo- not logic. You're, you're supposed yeah. to. Any any good Boy Scout, Girl Scout knows. You you get wet and it's cold. First thing you do is take off all your wet clothes. We have a company yeah. joke. It's not that funny, but we you know we'll we'll kind of leave down the down the uh, aisle and say, Hey, you, do you know why people layer? And they'll say, Well, you know, and they start giving the ex- explanation. We're like, No, no, no. People layer because whatever they're wearing sucks. <laughs> and. and and until you've experienced the fortress difference, you can't value how different it is. I mean, in the industrial niche, we got guys wearing six layers, and they're still cold. That's 24 to 27 pounds. And they go down to wearing a base layer, our stuff, an uninsulated outer shell, and they're wearing seven pounds. And they're warm and comfortable. And just, I mean, think about... Any recreational activity that you're doing, if you're camping, when you mentioned Chile, it made me think, we got an order out of Colombia. We're like, you know, I got a guy who speaks good Spanish, and I says, hey, get on this call with me. I can't figure out what's a guy in Colombia buying our stuff for. Right. And uh, sure enough, get on the call, and he's like, oh, I do paragliding. And at 16,000 feet elevation, it's it's cold. cold. Yeah. It's so cold. And he goes, I wanted to try your stuff. And we, so we have great pictures from him uh, on our website. You see his legs and it, this green green earth down below. So, yeah, whether you're hunting, fishing, you know, hiking, any any spectators for anything, it just changes your world. It makes it comfortable. Um, my daughter is married to this super outdoorsman. And, and you know, they, they go uh, up to Island Park in Idaho, Snowmobile. And she, she used to just sit by. Uh, the wood burning stove in the cabin, and, and the first time she went out snowmobiling with our product, she came back. She's like, "Dad, who knew snowmobiling was fun?" It's like, <laughs> "Yeah, we all do as long <laughs> as you're not freezing." It's just, yeah,
1: that's incredible. That's incredible. So, throughout this journey, did you have any kind of mentors that helped you? A, I guess, develop this technology, and you know, get Fortress Clothing on the business side to where it is now?
0: You know, and this was just, it, hopefully it doesn't sound sappy, but I grew up in a blue collar family and, and my dad just, he worked and there was no quit in anything. So, you know, when we, we and we've, we've had our challenges, you know, we've gone down the wrong path and, and, uh, you know, we continue to have iterations and, you know, make, make directional changes. But I think it's that, if you can't quit then you find a way to make it work and that's that's kind of actually where we're at now is we're changing our business model with the kickstarter to uh, to become a real garment company i mean up until now we've manufactured and had product in inventory and shipped on demand and you know that's we pride ourselves in being customer centric and and just getting it out but that's not how the garment industry works i mean Real manufacturers, they they have a booth and they do a trade show in January. They take orders and then they ship it in August, and that's their business model. Right. And so we're working to that model and uh, going to work our way into that type of distribution channel. So
1: that's really interesting. So I wanted to also talk about your Kickstarter campaign. You guys had the goal of raising eighteen thousand dollars, right? And you yep. you crush that goal with over with a a pledge of over four hundred and seventy thousand dollars. How the hell did you guys do that? Well, you wish you could say you did it all.
0: Actually, and not to brag, but with Indiegogo, we're over five hundred and thirty thousand in sales. Um, and and of course, you know the people who are ordering on Indiegogo now uh, won't get it until January. Got to put that disclaimer in there really quick. But uh, but yeah, I, I think telling the right story. Uh, we you know we joined uh, joined in. Uh, joined hands with a good marketing company that that helped us get uh, to the the Kickstarter niche. Um, you know our existing customer base they bought the first hundred thousand just in the first couple of days just because you know they knew the technology and they were looking for something that they just could throw on and wear casually anywhere so so yeah just uh, telling the right story and partnering with good people it's it's a it's been a blessing put it that way.
1: That's really awesome. So you you talked about a little bit about the manufacturing process, but what, what what is the commitment Fortress has to sustainable manufacturing?
0: So I like I like that question because we do all of our cut, make, and trim on the industrial line. It is USA made. Uh, it, it's funny because demographically, uh, the gals who work here in Mount Pleasant are. Uh, just a bunch of gray-haired. I shouldn't say. It. Okay. So anyway, it's USA,
1: <laughs> um,
0: and and uh, you know as we as we uh, grow, we've got uh, you know contracts in place so we can have Canadian-made for a lot of our customers in Canada. Um, with the Kickstarter and knowing the pricing, uh, we we want to be loyal, but at the same time, there's and you hate to say realistic, but. But a consumer, we actually did this for a little while. On our website, we had a choice, USA made and um, out of the U.S. made. And the price difference was significant, and it, it was ninety ten. the The consumer bought made out of the U.S.A. 90% of the time. So for Kickstarter purposes um, – the majority of, of the hybrid hoodie are made in Mexico, cut, make, and trim, and then the, the balance is made here in Mount Pleasant. It's nice to have production here because we're much more nimble. We can literally just uh, put an order in and have it kicked out in a couple days and shipped um, when we need that type of flexibility. The, the, um, it's interesting because we've been contacted by the military, and in military terms it's called Barry compliant, where every aspect of the garment has to be us sourced right. and manufactured, and so we have that ability to do everything, if if needs be, here in the U.S. <clears throat> As it is, um, the outer fabric uh, is Taiwanese, um, and then um, everything else is U.S. except for the zippers. Anybody who, who does garments knows that YKK is your largest yeah. manufacturer. I mean they own like 89% of the market so
1: yeah we uh, we work with another company called Northwest Tech and they make custom ski jackets and they were telling us how like there's literally one option <laughs> when it yep. comes to zippers
0: yep yep so so you do what you can but sustainability it's an open it's a uh engineered polymer it's petroleum based so as i like to say <clears throat> um we are green, but we're also not hypocritical. I drive a truck, so I got to I got to be supportive of people who drill for oil. I mean, otherwise, I, I'd consider myself a hypocrite. So um, when I ride my bike, I feel better about life. But, you know, you can't do everything. So you, you do the best you can.
1: Right, right. Now, that's really interesting. Um, what would you say is the culture that exists around um, Fortress? I know you said you got... 12 employees in the winter time and in the summertime you're down to around six so what what's it like around the office at fortress well
0: maybe one of the best examples is our managers meeting on monday morning uh one of the the guy in procurement we all take take turns answering the phones we you know we're not huge so he's just like i get a lot of feedback from our customers that they want and then he went on to proceed and say what they wanted and and I think that's the culture. Is is when we hear a customer say, "Can you do this?" If you were to just strictly be financially motivated, you would hear them say, um, "Sorry about the phone there." No worries. You you would hear them say, and if it rings three times, I'm going to answer it. <laughs> that's kind of the rule. I mean, no, and that that is the rule. So let's see if it goes for, Nope, it's gone. So. Yeah, I mean, I'll answer the phones. That's that's who we are, is, you know, we're customer-centric. And if, if somebody says, hey, can you this? We try to translate that into, hey, I, I'd like to give you money. I'd like to support you if you can help and solve my need. And so we look at it that way, kind of a partnership. We're, we're out to hear our customers, and then if we can fit it into a, a model that makes sense. I don't know if you've ever heard the term, uh, you can't boil the ocean. I love that I love that right. term because it basically says, and especially with the Fortress Line, we have so much opportunity. I mean, if you just look at our market niches, we've got industrial, which consists of construction, mining, oil, gas, uh, anything outdoors, refrigerated warehouses. You got the hunting, fishing, military. You have snowmobiling, skiing, hiking, camping, paragliding, mountain biking. I don't even remember if I said military. But we can't do it all. So when when customers do call and it doesn't fit where we're at today, we we try to communicate. Yeah, we're we're hoping to be there in five years, or it's on our ten-year plan. So, that's that's kind of our culture.
1: That's awesome. So, you're based in Salt Lake or in Utah. Um, What are what kind of activities do you personally partake in? Are you you said you're a big snowmobiler? I think before we got on on live. Um, What else do you
0: do? So uh, yeah, thanks for. uh, I'm a jack of all trades, master of none. So, <laughs> so you know, I grew up skiing. I grew up uh, literally what 18 miles from Brighton, solitude, 20 miles from Alta, Snowbird, and you know, as a kid growing up, the the the, the tourists would go to Park City, Deer Valley, and, and the natives, you know, it wasn't back in the 70s. You know, that was that was the culture. So, but uh, you know, mountain biking, big time, uh, hunting, camping. I don't climb, I got kids that climb, I got kids that snowboard. You know, we live on about five hundred acres. We've got some cattle. We we we've got a pretty pretty nice uh, place to to both raise a family and also to have a business. So we, we get to particular participate in so many different activities and all of them uh, lend themselves to fortress, you know. So the winter sports are are now comfortable instead of, you know, precarious.
1: That's really cool. So, are, are are any of your family members part of the business?
0: Yeah, the good looking guy in the in the um, uh, Kickstarter is is uh, my second oldest son.
1: Oh, cool! Nice.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: That's really awesome. So it's it's always nice to have family in the business. It's it can be difficult to separate it when you're not working, but it's definitely a cool experience.
0: Yeah, it is. It's and it it is a challenging one because, like you said, sometimes you got to say, "Listen, I got my boss hat on, and I want to kick your butt if you don't do this." And, <laughs> and you go home, and, and somebody thinks you're going to kick their butt. I'm like, "No, no, no. We're we're home now. It's like that's business. You got to you got to separate the two. Yeah, so, that's
1: that's great. I used I, I worked with my dad for a bit, and it's same sort of deal. That's uh, great. Um, it is. What would you say is the hardest part about starting and building your business?
0: I kind of maybe just covered it in in that, identifying what niche to go after and then keeping the blinders on. Um, It's hard because you don't wanna, you wanna get the low hanging fruit so that you stay in business, but you also want to be able to um, go after the bigger market niches. So when we look at it in our 13 millimeter thick insulation level, it's pretty much just gonna be limited to industrial workers and different parts of the world. I've got a, a 19-year-old daughter. She's in uh, Russia right now. She's teaching English. And and she can wear the half inch. You know, we're talking end of October today. And and uh, she's just extremely comfortable. She's got the hybrid hoodie out there, too. And she's, she just mixes just depending on what the weather's like. And, and so focusing on the right niche and then not taking your eyes off of it with all the different opportunities, for us, has been extremely difficult. Just um because you see so many dollars going towards you know fashionable ski wear and snowboarding and 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 just anything outdoors that that can be done and and uh, developing a product, uh, identifying the distribution channels and then gaining market penetration those each niche has its own kind of hurdles to entry mar- hurdles to market entry
1: so. You're so right. And what you, like sort of the avatar that you use to go after one is very different than the other one so you can catch yourself sort of talking to no one if you try and tackle too many at once. Yep. What would you say is your biggest fear with Fortress clothing and how do you manage it?
0: Y- you know, you you had mentioned uh, said, "Hey, here might be some questions." And what's funny is when you when I looked at the question, what's what would be my biggest fear? It was going broke again from my first three ventures. Um, that just is a painful experience. So that, the question you just asked is, "What's the biggest fear with Fortress Clothing?" And um, and so that's a different question with regards to biggest fear for fort- Fortress Clothing. I think maybe ego, and that may sound weird, but. We really, if we, if we step back we, and we acknowledge, yeah, we have something so much, so different, so disruptive, kind of an old term nowadays, but still so disruptive, we could be the biggest thing in the world. But if, if we let our egos get a, ahead of ourselves, I think we need to be humble, listen to the customer, and then make good decisions that are good long-term decisions, which aren't always the same as good short-term decisions.
1: I think that's, that's great advice. Um, speaking of advice, what, what advice would you give to someone that wanted to start a business, you know, in the outdoor industry? I like, I really do like the
0: term fail fast. And also our experience and my experience with, um, uh, developing companies. So in your inter, in our introduction, I mentioned that, you know, i I sold a company uh, in uh, when I was 45. I'm 55 now, so about 10 years ago. And uh, I've started a few since then, and four of them are going concerns. They're actually businesses that make money, um, and, and they're businesses that um, some are at but Anyway, um, but the key to it, I, I think, is, is that whole identifying your customer base and developing a Prototype and a product and then going and asking people would you buy this would you what would you pay for this what would you change about it and so you you, the term humble again comes to mind because if you go in and you think i got the best freaking thing and you want to make a thousand of them you're going to fail if you go in and make one and start asking people what do you think of this and and you you identify who's the person or who's the niche that can use this product Uh, most readily and use it the most and who would the adoption rate be the highest with those are questions then that'll lead you to the best market to call on and and change your product to best suit that market and again that I look right now when I just said those words I look back in the mirror and say yeah in some ways we're trying to do too much because because we know if we keep going in the industrial niche we're going to grow and once we knock down a couple huge ones it could be you know lights out baby it could be fun but at the same time there's been uh, you know certification rules there's uh fire retardant laws there's all these testing things we've already gone through and you continue to go through so and those aren't those aren't barriers that are that are present with the recreational niche so you know uh, i guess in summary yeah just um fail fast and uh, get a copy of that book, uh, nail it, then scale it. It's, I think it's even an e-book, just some guys put it together. It's a great, great read for me. I, I've, I've almost committed it to memory. So,
1: That's great advice. It's very similar to the sort of lean startup methodology. I'm not sure if you've read that or not. Yeah, exact same. Very, very similar. Yeah, which is the same principle I used when I started Ready Yeti. Um, it was make sure people are interested in it, You know, get their commitment, and constantly ask them for feedback and how you can improve what you're creating because what you think or what i think the business should be is very different than like what you're saying that your perfect customer thinks and yeah ultimately what you want to build is what they want <laughs> yeah because that's who's we, gonna buy we, get it. A,
0: we get a lot of, a lot of requests for children's wear and there's certain things with infants. You've got to have uh, different fabrics that are you know, meet cert- certain certifications. And, and as we've listened to all these people saying, "God, I want something for my kids," and you know, our, our next Kickstarter is most, most likely going to be just a blanket. But it's kind of going to be—it's going to be fun. Uh, we call it the Angel Blanket. It's got some uh, neat features to it, in addition to the functionality that, that our technology brings. So uh, watch for that. It'll be fun.
1: That's really cool. So this leads into my next question of where do you see the business going in the next year, five years, ten years?
0: Well, yeah, this year I think is our hockey stick year in that um, you will be at uh, like the outdoor retailer show. And uh, I think when uh, the things that we've got planned for that should draw some real attention. If that attention translates to orders, uh, we should see a nice hockey stick. As far as then the five-year plan – you know the diversification into different niches and uh nailing it each niche you know um we've we've got our eyes on uh different uh, real estate properties in order to to be able to accommodate inventory for those those niches and be able to uh to be able to fund them and so um yeah this is this is going to be a fun ride
1: i can tell you're super excited about it it's nice to see some, like especially in today's day and age where there's so many people that like hate their jobs, (laughs) seeing your sort of excitement and passion for what you're doing, that you can really, really enjoy what it is that you do for a living and not just do it to make money to support yourself, which I think is really awesome. Thanks. We enjoy it. Without a doubt. So what would you say is the best part about running fortress clothing?
0: Um, yeah, you know, we've actually got some weird customer feedback that that's fun. We had a couple that uh, we we sell into a different niche called the prepper niche. Didn't even think I'd bring it up, but this is a perfect story. They, they, we took all of our um, our head to toe solutions. So we have a hot sock, a pant liner, a jacket liner, a balaclava, and some mittens, and and we put them in a compression bag and called that bag a bug out bag and. Uh, these folks in Illinois bought uh, two bug out bags and put them in their car as emergency, uh, you know, survival gear. And they actually drove off the road. Nobody saw them. It was a it was a winter blizzard, and they slept in their car wearing Fortress clothing. <laughs> like, what? I know, I know, and I, and and so we cut it. you know, I, I that is that is just cool. That's one of the fun having customers. Who call, who call and like, dude, this is the coolest stuff. How do you do that? That's the funnest part of. It. I mean, you know, it's great personally. I like to wear it because I, I hate the cold, guy. I seriously, I hate the cold. Um, <laughs> yeah, I do. I, I mean, the the hybrid hoodie, my neck and my ears—I don't know what, what I did. I remember as a kid one time, my cousins took me skiing for the first time. And and uh, if you're familiar, if you're familiar with Utah, there's a little hill in Salt Lake City, in the city itself, Sugarhouse Park. And I went out in Levi's my first time. We got these dorky skis, and my aunt's a flake, and she kind of forgot about us, and <laughs> picked us up like two hours late. And it's like freezing cold. I got wet Levi's on and. It must have changed my whole life. I don't know. Anyway, but long and short, yeah. I love that people, their lives are changed. I mean, technical climbers who, who climb in regular gear and they monitor their perspiration because they're climbing along a ridge and they stop because they feel themselves starting to break out into a sweat and now wearing Fortress, they don't have to do that. They literally can go. I mean- for our industrial workers, we have two lines, our regular line that literally, I mean, I got guys wearing it in minus 54, but we only claim minus 30, minus 35 Celsius, that type of range, but we've got, we've got an an extreme line that's good down to minus 68, and the only reason we don't say any lower is because we've never been able to test it lower than that. We've had real people wearing it with, you know, they got the oxygen masks on there, right. and they're out there working, and and it was minus 68, and they're like... Their biggest complaint was it was too warm. (laughs) I know it just sounds it sounds nuts, but you know. So that's the fun part. You know, on a personal level, I I love to see uh, the the employee development people who work for us. You know, I like to see us all learn to do hard things. I still am learning how to do hard things. I mean, there's a lot of things. What's weird is a guy from telecommunications has no reason to be in garment manufacturing but but we we have a tiger by the tail so it's
1: kind of fun that's really awesome so for anyone who's listening that wants to win a fortress hybrid hoodie you can head over to com right now we're doing it between November 8th and the 22nd you can enter to win uh, one of two hybrid hoodies we're going to be pairing them with uh, no zip sleeping bags so you can Head over to Ready Yeti and enter for your chance to win. And with that, um, where can people learn more about um, Fortress Clothing?
0: Piece of cake. Uh, Just our website is www.fortressclothing.com.
1: Awesome. You you assume you guys have uh, some social presence on Facebook?
0: Yep, Facebook, Instagram. Follow us. We're not that great. We got (laughs) – we got a, we got every niche under the sun so don't be offended I mean I got I got guys sending pictures in you know uh, just some amazing applications from uh, well from paragliding to hunting to Russia to Finland to Canada and all places around the world it's it's a fun it's a fun ride.
1: That's awesome that's that's really awesome And we will link to all this in the show notes so if you guys want to check out the Kickstarter page in that video where we talked about them doing the ice plunge. You can see all of that there. And uh, with that, Dale, I want to thank you for taking the time to uh, chat with uh,
0: me. Jo- Josh, great pleasure. Pleasure to meet you. And uh, and uh, let me say in advance, pleasure to meet all of your listeners. And uh, we look forward to, to keeping you warm.
1: Without a doubt. Thanks, Dale.
0: Thank you, Josh. Have a great day.
1: Hey, Ready Eddie podcast listeners, if you enjoyed today's episode, then I would be incredibly appreciative if you could log on iTunes and leave us a quick review. This really helps us get noticed by other podcast listeners like yourself. And if you know anyone that would benefit from this episode, then please share it along. Well, that wraps up this episode of the Ready Eddie podcast. I'll catch you next week.